0: Solomon writes this, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. And what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? And then to Philippians, the first chapter. <clears throat> we pick, on verse, pick up with verse 3. Paul writes here and he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, first I want to bring greetings. I I was given a sacred task uh, that I want to do it. And 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 I'm doing it here because I know it will be recorded. And I know that uh, people will be listening to it in Hungary. And so word will get around. And the greeting is from the church in Hungary uh, where Karen and I were this past week. We flew over on Wednesday and ministered there Wednesday night. Thursday night and Friday night. And Friday night, we were with a new church plant in uh, Budapest uh, and uh, ministered to them and gave them some strategy for church growth and some things that the Lord was, was sharing with them. And so they, they told me uh, and gave me the, the sacred charge to bring greetings to you from the church there in Hungary and to say, thank you, City Temple, uh, for allowing Karen and me to go out on trips like this and strengthen churches uh, around the world and as part of the, the larger body of Christ. Uh, the church that we were with there in uh was, uh, try saying that, 42 times fast. Uh, that, that church uh, uh, is part of HarvestNet International now, uh, although the first time we went there uh, and were ministering with them uh, was before they joined with HarvestNet, but it's, uh, we've been there twice now, and it was really, really a, a blessed time. Uh, also, just to give you a report, too, this past week had a, the meeting with the city uh, on Tuesday about uh, the building redevelopment, and the meeting went very well. Uh, I haven't heard an update from that, uh, but really uh, we were able to put a case forward very strongly of how important this redevelopment is for City Temple. And the longer we go on, the, the more I'm convinced that this really is God's will for us, uh, especially because it's, it's being funded uh, by those that don't identify with Jesus, but it is providing for this church for a, a new generation, and some real exciting things can come out of this. Uh, and it's very, very key. I mean, the fact that they call this now the City Temple Quarter uh, is reasonably significant, in and of itself. And so, uh, so thanks for praying for that. We need to continue to pray for that. Uh, thanks for uh, the, the guys in Hungary and continue to pray for them. Uh, it's a great church there. Uh, and hopefully one day we'll have the, some of the leaders over here and you'll get a chance to meet them. Several of them have already been to City Temple a couple of years ago when we did the European Leaders Summit for HarvestNet here at City Temple. Uh, many of them came and uh, so I uh, got to meet some of you and, and know some of you and think of you fondly. So they say thank you, and uh, we say thank you. And it's really a sign of what God is doing around the world. You know, you, you look and you say, okay, you know, maybe there's not a lot of people at City Temple, but that's okay, because we are influencing things around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's part of what God has called us to do Uh, And that leads me to uh, one of the the two last commercials before, if you will, before I get into the Word of God, Uh, and that is today is our Sunday focus, is today is when we start that. Uh, We'll have uh, a nice lunch up in uh, uh, the Skyview room, up on the top level, right after service today, Uh, then the kids will have an extended uh, Kids Connect time with Karen, and that's going to be a lot of fun for them. And today, in Sunday Focus, we're going to be looking at some prophetic revelation about London, about City Temple, about what God has done in the past and what God is going to do in the future. Uh, And I'm going to be sharing with you some things that I don't normally share, uh, certainly in a larger meeting. Uh, and, uh, And I won't have a lot of notes and things, so you'll have to take notes yourself. Uh, because there are a few things that I will share uh, today that are, you know, strategic revelation that we only share sparingly. You know, there, there are certain things that you don't say very widely. You know, if Joseph would have learned that lesson, he never would have been sold by his brothers into slavery. You get that. You remember the story of Joseph, and he kind of bragged about the, uh, oh, you know, I had a dream. You guys are going to go and bow down to me. Isn't that cool? Uh, That's not always a very popular thing. And so we'll be sharing some of that today and praying into that today and giving people an opportunity to ask questions uh, at a deeper level about some things that God is doing. And next Sunday, uh, we're going to be talking about how to become more effective in following Jesus, how to go deeper in our discipleship uh, more quickly and more easily than we thought possible, uh, and there's some some key secrets to this that I will be sharing next Sunday. And by the way, next Sunday, remember, is the day that we joined together with Saint Sepulchre's Church, which is just down about 300 meters that away. Uh, down across the other side of Holborn Viaduct on the opposite side of the road. Uh, And that service starts at 10.30. So I'm sorry about the earlier start, but we do feel like it's a strategic service. And so hopefully you can come and join in that service from 10.30. Uh, But for some reason, if you can't make it then and you can't come, you're still uh, free to come for lunch And for Sunday focus and lunch, we'll start uh, at 12.45 each week for Sunday focus. We'll start with lunch at 12.45 to 1.15. Uh, We'll close the window at 1.15. So you snooze, you lose. Uh, And then 1.30 we'll start and always seek to end promptly, no later than 3 o'clock. Sometimes it might be a little bit earlier, but certainly no later than that. Uh, And so hopefully you can be a part of that. Because God has good things planned for us. Now we've seen this, we've seen the goodness of God. We've seen that God is good, his very nature is good, uh, the very, his very being. You know, goodness is one of his fundamental characteristics, and not only is God good, but God always does good. You know, the thoughts that God th- thinks are the thoughts for good, that God superintends good in our lives, he plans good, he prepares us for good, uh, that God gives us his good creation— He gives us relationships, which are good. He's given us the Holy Spirit, who is good. He's given us his son, Jesus, who is good. The cross of Christ is good because through the cross, we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we have life and all of this is from God. God is good and God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And we need this revelation and we have to live in this revelation. And this revelation needs to be one of the most important things that we grab hold of about God. Because in this day, if you do not believe fundamentally, that God is good, that God is doing good, that God will order the world so that there will be good outcomes, that God can work good in your life, even if things don't seem to be good at any point in time. If you don't have this as a fundamental revelation of your heart, you will not follow God faithfully. Almost every time we stray. Almost every time we sin, almost every time we fall away, we fall away because somewhere deep inside of us, we don't really believe that God is good. And we think that we have to bring our own good. You know, I've seen this happen. I've seen, I've seen people go searching for relationships. And so they hop from bed to bed to bed because they're lonely and they think that somehow, way, they can have a connection and through that connection, they'll come into a relationship uh, and they'll discover goodness because God's not good, because if God was good, why would, he, why would he keep people from having sex outside of marriage? And so if you do not believe that God fundamentally has designed us for good, and that the things like sex that God has given us is good when they're exercised within God's good plan, we will start then to behave in ways that are contrary to the will of God, because we don't fundamentally believe that God is good. Now there have been many times in my own life where I wanted to quit, I wanted to give up, I wanted to step away, I wanted to do something completely different. And I didn't, and one of the reasons that I didn't is because I knew that God would take me through these difficult times to achieve some kind of good outcome. That His goodness would be manifested, that His goodness would be revealed in me. And so this is a fundamental revelation that we need, especially if we want to lead the good life. And we started this last week, and we said that everybody wants to live a good life. I've not met anybody ever anywhere in any culture of the world who has said, no, I don't want to lead a good life. Now, occasionally, you will get some people who are so corrupted, they'll say, well, I don't care. You know, I want to lead a good life, but my definition of goodness is whatever pleases me and whatever makes me happy. And occasionally you get that, and the Bible labels those people sons of disobedience. And the sons of disobedience are there, and they're destined for hell. They're destined for hell. But most people around the world, in every culture of the world, they want to lead the good life. So how do we do that? What is the good life? How do we live it? And and the first thing and the fundamental thing and, uh, that we must have in our minds is we can only lead the good life, live the good life with the confidence that God is good. God is good. And so Solomon gets in here today and the book of Ecclesiastes really is all about leading the good life. If you spend time and you study Ecclesiastes, you focus on it and you come back to it, uh, it's, it's talking about How do we lead the good life? And here's Solomon at the end of his life writing this tremendous book about how to live the good life. How to really live the good life. And we saw last week a number of ways that he says don't do these things because these things won't lead you to the good life. But in the passage today he gives us some more insights uh, about living the good life. Now, the first aspect, according to Solomon here, about living the good life, is to remember that God has made everything beautiful in its time. We need to look for beauty. Look for the beauty that's in life. There's even moments, I've been at the bedside of people who have lived full lives and who have died. And there's even something beautiful in that moment. I remember one time gathering around uh, uh, the bedside of, of, of the, the, the father of this family system, his grandfather, great-grandfather, and it was his time to go be with Jesus. And seeing the family gathering around, them, uh, around him and the love that was there and the preciousness as he went to be with the Lord, there was something amazing and beautiful and wonderful in that moment. And so often we don't look for the beauty. We focus on that which is ugly. We focus on that which is wrong. We focus on that uh, which is, is unpleasing to us rather than looking for the beauty and say, God, show me the beauty in this moment. Show me the beauty in this place. Show me the beauty in this experience. Show me, let me see what is beautiful. And we look at that because God has put eternity In our hearts, there is a fundamental sense in most people everywhere around the world that there's more than this life, that there's more than this existence. That there is an eternity. There's a world beyond this world. There's an existence beyond this existence. There's something that goes on. There's something that lasts. There's something that endures. And there might be a lot of different ways to apprehend that, a lot of different ways to understand that, but that is a common human experience. And in fact, most people don't think of the opposite. Because if there is no eternity... If God really hasn't put eternity in our hearts, then we are nothing more than a predetermined set of atoms living a life that we could do no other but live exactly the way that we live. And that is really the outcome of atheism and the outcome of naturalism. If you you don't have a sense of God, then how do you explain love? Love. The only way you can explain love is that there are certain chemical processes that happen in our brains that make us predisposed toward uh, a, a person, toward reproduction in some way, and that we're going to do that. And in fact, one of the dirty secrets of atheism is that uh, if you really believe in atheistic naturalism, then ultimately you, can, you, you, you believe that everything is determined already by our genes, by our processes, by our parentage, by our environment, that everything is determined and that no human being can actually overcome that collection of, of processes and atoms and things that they are. Now, if you're going to lead the good life, the truly good life, you need to understand God has put eternity in our hearts. We have a sense that there's more than this life. We have a sense that there's something that is to come, that as we live, we live in the perspective of something greater than ourselves. Now, recently, there's been a number of scientists, uh, including a guy named Martin Seligman, Uh, Seligman literally means happy man in Germany. And Martin Seligman has been studying happiness. He's been studying happiness. And he's discovered that everywhere around the world, one characteristic of truly happy people is that they live for a cause that's greater than themselves. They live for something beyond who they are. And that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying we have eternity in our hearts, although we cannot discern what God's going to do. We can't figure it out. We can't know it. You know, if you go back a year, nobody knew that Leicester City was going to win the premiership. Nobody knew that the UK was going to Brexit. And certainly nobody knew that Donald J. Trump was going to be president of the United States. And if I told you all those three things uh, a year ago and I made a bet, a five-pound a five bet, I can guarantee it. You, you, know, one, everybody here would think I'm a prophet, and two, I would be a multimillionaire because the odds of all three of those things happening were three million to one, so I would have made 15 million quid on a five-pound bet on those three things. And we can't figure it out. And a lot of times we become miserable in our life because we're trying to figure it out. We try to figure out what's going to happen. We try to figure out, uh, you know, will I get married? Will I have kids? Will, will my job go well? Will it go poorly? You know, what, what's going to happen? Well, will, will, what will happen when we Brexit? What will happen in a Trump presidency? We've spent so much time trying to figure it out, and there's so much anxiety with that, and that will undermine the good life, even though we need to understand that we have eternity in our hearts, even though we can't figure it out. So in light of that, if we have eternity in our hearts and we're looking for the, for the beauty, then what do we do to lead the good life? Well, Solomon says, there's nothing better for us than to be joyful and do good. Now, joy, what's Joy joy comes from your focus. We've said this many times. You'll get joy by what you look at. You know, if you're walking along, uh, say, Regent Canal, uh, and uh, you're, you're looking at the sunshine, and you're enjoying all of that, and the families with children, uh, you'll, you, that will create joy. Or you can walk along Regent Canal and say, oh, there's a piece of rubbish. There's another piece of rubbish. There's another piece of rubbish. Oh, that looks like dog poo. Uh, Oh, yeah, there's some uh, green scum there. Boy, it stinks here. Now, your experience, two people will have, you know, can walk along the canal exactly the same time, exactly the same day, and have totally different experiences. The only difference is what they choose to focus on. That's the key for joy choosing your focus carefully. So Solomon says there's nothing better than, you know, in light of this fact that you have eternity in your heart and in light of the fact that you know that anything can be beautiful and everything can be beautiful in its time, then be joyful. Look for the things that produce joy. Look for the good things. Look for the the wondrous things. Look for the beautiful things and then do good. If you want to lead the good life, do good to other people. Look for good things to do. Look for good. Do as much good as you possibly can with your life. I've seen a lot of people over the years spend so much time thinking about their calling. Uh, it's like oh god you know what am i called to do am i called to be a pastor am i called to be an accountant am i called to be a lawyer am i called to be uh, the uh, found a founder company like microsoft am i called to be a a billionaire millionaire uh, gazillionaire uh, you know, and, and they, they look at that and they say oh you know what What am I called to do in the church, am I called to do dishes am I called to preach, am I called to healing ministry Am I called?" and you spend so much time thinking about what you're called to that you don't do anything if you want to find your calling start doing good and just do good and look to do as much good as you possibly can and that's what Solomon says says, in light of this eternity that's in your heart, in light of the fact that anything and everything can be beautiful in its time, you know, be joyful. Look for those beautiful things. And do good. And enjoy your food. Eat and drink. And find some pleasure in your work. You know, the job that you do. Find something about it that you like. Look to do something in your toil, and if it's not your your nine-to-five job that you're finding joy in, then find something else that you can take joy in, that you can have pleasure in, outside of that, and understand then that your nine-to-five job is just funding that which is pleasurable, and that's okay, but look at that, and that's what what Solomon is saying here, said, you know, because if, if you stress on it, then you're going to try, you'll lose it. And this is God's gift. This is God's gift to the good life. And so what he says here next, it might sound confusing. He says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks that which seems to have been driven away or seeks that which uh, uh, goes after that which is hard to find. In uh, in other words, it's saying, don't try to figure it out. Don't. You can't. Don't spend time trying to figure your life out. Don't spend time trying to see how it works out. And understand this. The more that God tells you about how your life will unfold, the more difficult it's going to be. Because with God, when God tells you where you're going, it's because you're going to have a rough journey getting there. So a lot of times we ask things from God that we don't really want. And so if we spend time just trying to figure everything out, trying to to resolve all the issues that might come up in our minds, it will undermine living the good life. It will undermine living the life that God has for us. Do you know there are certain questions that you can never find a satisfactory answer for? Never. And nobody will give you a satisfactory answer. And even if God gave you the answer in this life, you wouldn't be satisfied with it. The question why is a very big one of these. And so so Solomon says, don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. And then he goes on and says, and don't get caught up with all the wrong things. You know, he says, "I, I looked in a place of justice and there's wickedness. I looked in the place of righteousness and there's wickedness. Now we can find wickedness wherever we look. You can find wickedness in pulpits around the world. You can find wickedness in government. You can find wickedness in the judiciary. You can find wickedness in your boss. You can find messed up, broken things everywhere you look if you want to look hard enough. And a lot of times we focus so much on what's messed up, what's broken, what's not right, what seems to be displeasing to God, that we completely miss the opportunities that God sets before us. And Solomon said, don't do that. Don't do that. And Solomon also goes on to say, and by the way, keep in mind that one day you're going to die. One day you will die. One day this life will be over. And so if you're focusing on all the questions that you'll never get an answer for, if you're focusing on that which is ugly and doesn't bring joy, if you're focused on that which is wicked, which means broken or twisted, if you focus on that which is wicked and messed up and broken and not working right, uh, if you focus on these kinds of things, you will lead your life... With this focus, and you will not live a good life. You will not experience a good life. You'll live a life that is all vanity. And at the end of your life, you'll realize that you've wasted it all, and nothing has come of it. So rejoice in your work. Do what God has put before you to do. Be joyful. Live your life with that eternity in your heart. And Paul adds to this and gives us this great promise that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. The God who put eternity in our hearts, the God who knows about all the wickedness around us in the world, The God who knew how messed up everything was and how empty life would seem. That very same God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And in the cross of Christ, by his wounds, we are healed, uh, Isaiah says in Isaiah 53. In the cross of Christ, we have this hope and this promise that even the most wicked thing we can imagine, even the most horrible thing we can imagine, a death on the cross of a righteous man, even that can be turned around by our great and sovereign God who is good. And He brought the resurrection. And there's this promise over our lives, and it's a promise that God's grace is on us. And God's grace on us means that As we are living our life looking for the the beautiful things, looking for joy, as we're living our life doing as much good as we possibly can do, enjoying the experiences of life like eating and drinking, uh, taking pleasure in the work that God has for us, as we're doing that, God's grace is over all of it. God's undeserved favor is over our lives, God's undeserved favor is with us, and not only is God favorable toward us, God has also put his spirit in our hearts so that we can live our lives for Jesus Christ, and God has begun a good work in us that God will be faithful then to take to its fulfillment. In other words, God will ensure that as you're living your life, that your life will not be wasted, that your life will matter, that your life will count for something. You won't always be able to figure it out. In fact, most of the time, you won't be able to figure it out. You won't understand. You won't see how your life fits within the, the total tapestry of humanity and how God is using you and weaving your life with the lives of others to bring His kingdom into the world today. You won't see it. You won't understand it. But Paul says it's happening because the one who began and the good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion, to fulfillment. So Paul says, live your life in love. Live your life in this reality. Get discernment for it. Because as you do, you will live the good life. And at the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. And thank you for what you will do in the life to come. And that's a promise that is on us first because of the cross of Christ. And then because God is good. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you, we worship you, and we adore you. And I thank you, Father, that by your Spirit, you have made the good life possible. Father, today and in the weeks ahead, I pray that you would teach us how to live the good life to the glory and praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue to teach us how to do good, how to be good, as a reflection of your goodness, all through your Son, Jesus Christ. Well, as we worship you now. I pray that you would show us every question we've been asking that has no answer in this life so that we might release it to you. I pray that you would show us how we are focusing on that which is broken, that which is twisted, that which is wicked, in a way that is robbing us of joy, that we might release it to you. I pray that you would show us how we have failed to remember that we are but dust and that one day this life would be over so that we have wasted our lives with things that are not good and help us to release them to you and as we worship you today i pray that you'd give us joy joy first and foremost, through our focus on you in worship. And I pray that you would open our eyes so that as we sang in that opening song today, everywhere we go, we might see you. And that the eternity in our hearts might cause us to focus on you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the good God, the God of love, the holy God. And in that focus on you, find joy. We love you, we praise you, we worship and adore you. And we pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.